Welcome to the Todd DeVoe Show, exploring the best ideas and lessons for leaders. Good morning, good morning, good afternoon, depending on where you are at in this fine world. And I know that we have some really interesting weather going on uh, in, in Florida. We're going to be talking about that for sure and where this hurricane is, is headed next. But before we get into that, I just want to thank the sponsor of this show, it's Buffalo Computer Graphics with DLAN. And when you're having events like this, right, like these uh, storms and, and whatnot that is coming down, how do you track it? And how do you keep knowing what's going on? And using Buffalo Computer Graphics, DLAN is perfect for these type of events. So check them out at uh, Buffalo Computer Graphics. Well, now getting into the storm, right? Uh, we have this huge storm that's been bearing down on his eye, Ian. And... Um, it's made landfall. If you guys have been watching the news at all, you, you've seen some of the devastation that's already happening. Um, I was watching some uh, TikTok videos this morning, um, you know, live type stuff, and it looks like there's some uh, flooding, some boat rescues going on and things like this, uh, but the storm is not over. So today we have meteorologist Mike Vensky with us today. Looks a little redundant, and, uh, but Mike, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you. Good morning. So the storm hit. What's next? Well, yeah, it hit just north of Fort Myers uh, yesterday, about three o'clock in the afternoon, uh, Eastern time, moved across the state. <laughs> Needless to say, a lot of rain, a lot of wind. Storm surge was intense. And, and we kind of thought all along that the storm surge um, and the water, whether it's coming from the ocean, falling from the sky, would be a big story with this. Uh, the wind was still bad. But um, as of this morning, um, it's weakened to a tropical storm. It's good news. It was expected, but it's starting to push off the coast again, uh, the east coast of Florida around Cape Canaveral. And so we're going to be monitoring it over the next 24 to 36 hours, as we do expect perhaps, actually it's looking more likely, a second U.S. landfall somewhere up in the uh, South Carolina area. So we're not done with it yet, but it's, uh, it's definitely better than it was 24 hours ago. Well, when it goes out back out to the ocean, is it going to pick up uh, speed again to become a hurricane or will it stay tropical storm? Um, you know, some of the models are indicating that it will pick up a little bit. Um, there's so much dry air into it, and it's starting to transition into what we call an extra tropical storm. Um, so, you know, not as in intense, but it's spreading out the winds a little bit. So, you know, right now it's about a 65 mile per hour tropical storm. It may get bumped up to a hurricane, but it would be category one, we think, at most. In fact, um, the Hurricane Center just uh, put out some new hurricane warnings for south carolina because they do expect this to happen um but you know people shouldn't be alarmed they shouldn't be expecting what they saw in florida yesterday it's going to be more tropical storm impacts and then once it moves inland it'll uh, dissipate fairly quickly across the carolinas into the weekend what are the carolinas going to expect as far as um damage and or rain and and, and whatnot yeah uh, the rainfall will be four to six inches fairly widespread, especially across the eastern portions of the states. Um, the wind speeds, tropical storm force strength winds, really be confined to the coastal areas. Now we're looking at, you know, I-95 and those places eastward, uh, primarily South Carolina. Uh, the stronger winds, if anything stronger than tropical storm force strength, if it does intensify, should remain offshore. And so we'll just need to watch for some rain, but it's not rain that can't be handled. It's not the 15 inches of rain that they got in Florida. It's going to be more like four to six inches and, and some winds, some minor storm surge too. So definitely some coastal flooding when you get down into those, you know, barrier islands, South Carolina, you have 
you know, Hilton Head and Kiowa and right. Charleston area. We have Mark Baker with us here today, too. Mark, welcome to the show. Um, he is in North Carolina. Uh, we were talking about it before when before we started the show. And Mark looks like he's going to be getting some uh, some wind and rain as we talk. So it's going to be a rainy rainy kite weather, I suppose, right? That's right. Good time to go out there and uh, put the cells out. <laughs> <laughs> so um, now this is being this is a, well technically it's a second hurricane to strike North America, correct? Because we had the one off of uh, the coast of Mexico too that came up and. And was sitting off the coast. How, how is this going to be a strong hurricane season this year? Well, I mean, seeing as though we're already, I guess, what Saturday is October first. It's hard to believe. Um, it's actually we expect it to be a very busy season. And it hasn't been. Um, so there's going to be a lot of review going into that uh, over the next several months to see why. Uh, no one's complained. <laughs> no one wants a a busy hurricane season. Um, but, you know, certainly it's picking up and we're getting, you know, the, the names and the numbers are rolling through them pretty quickly. Now we may even have the J storm, which would be Julia out in the middle of the Atlantic, but we expect that to be a fish storm. If you haven't heard what a fish storm is, it just doesn't bother anyone except the fish. <laughs> yeah. So, um, it hasn't been too bad, but we do have to watch it, you know, this, uh, for the next month or so, especially across Florida, um, uh, because you could see some more activity move across. What was this? The storm that hit um, Puerto Rico um, uh, was that one that was a uh, you know tracked and expected and, and did what it's supposed to be doing, or or did that veer uh, off a little bit too? And, and for some reason, why is that name escaping me? When you know it's probably all I've talked about over the over the past couple of days. It was the F storm. I got this. I got this. Fiona, yeah, Fiona, yeah. It, it raked across Puerto Rico. Um, that was a significant storm. Um, fortunately for the rest of the U.S., uh, you know, it wasn't too impactful, uh, but it also was pretty impactful up in Canada when you get into the Maritimes up there. You know, Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, they had quite a lot of impact from this storm. So when we think about this as, as planning, right, coming from the emergency management and, and um, uh, preparedness side of things, um, when really should, you know, emergency managers be, you know, looking, you know, towards their radiologists, you know, consulting with them on a regular basis to see what's happening out there in the Atlantic. Yeah. And, and you know, what we do here at Storm Geo is we start sending out seasonal updates um, in the spring. You know, everybody knows the season starts June 1st. Um, and in fact, there's been discussion the last couple of years about moving that season up uh, just because we have had some early season activity. Usually it's pretty weak. Uh, Mark there in the Carolinas, I, I see, seems like we always get something there. I know because I go on vacation uh to south carolina in june and seemed to always hit one um so you know definitely be aware that it's coming uh definitely make sure you have your response plans in place um everyone's aware of them and actually you know we do quite a bit of tabletop exercises when we get into early in the year so get those out of the way i mean we'll start prepping for the hurricane season right after the holidays right um you know because everyone starts you know requesting you know drills and test storms and tabletop exercises so it's always it's never too soon really to do that that if you do have an early storm you're ready you know you can flip the switch right away you know one of the things that we have to balance and, and mark i'm sure you can talk about this a little bit more too right now is that um 
you know, with a balanced idea of, okay, what does the meteorologist tell us? What's the storm look like it's going to do? And then, you know, when we pull the trigger to evacuate and then, you know, then the storm changes direction and then people get kind of like, ah, complacent. We're watching videos now, and, you know, TikTok is one of those things that's amazing because people are showing live stuff of people who decided not to evacuate, you know, <laughs> and, you know, they're, now they're stuck in, in their, <laughs> their second story apartments. Um, there's a video of a tree falling and smashing in somebody's home that they did live. You know, so it's an interesting uh, video that's there for that. How do we really talk to the population and say, hey, these, these are really concerns. When we tell you to evacuate, it's for your own good, uh, and we're not going to come get you in the middle of the storm. I think it's important to, to get the residents to adhere to the warnings and suggestions made by emergency managers is the consistency and your ability to predict being a bit of an artist forecaster, if you will, so you don't give uh, wrong information, having evacuations happen that for no reason, and then it, it creates doubt in future future evacuations. You gotta you gotta be as accurate as as you can, but you you got you gotta be open and transparent as well, so that you're not a uh, so that, that you build trust in your community in order when you give that order, they know it's it's a real possibility <coughs> excuse me yeah one of the things too i think it's important to build a relationship with a meteorologist if you don't have one in your own um, organization you can talk to someone like mike mike how do people how do emergency managers find you um to get your products and and to get your advice well um, you know we do some the typical marketing pushes and, and take part in things like this which are very helpful also a lot of word of mouth um, you know, we, we do a lot of work in oil and gas, and that's a pretty tight-knit community, but we also do it beyond. We, I mean, we do, you know, retail and utilities, and so people get to talking, and, you know, uh, that's a lot of the way we get a lot of our business. Um, you know, we really work with clients on their response plans. Um, there's been some that don't have them, which we help develop them, and not only that, then we help integrate some of our solutions into them and, uh, you know, train and do tabletops off them. So, you know, once you get, you know, with a client and you get to really know their weather sensitivities, even beyond hurricanes, you know, you can build a long lasting relationship and, um, you know, really a consultant business level where, you know, bounce well off each other. And it's just, that's how it goes, you know, and that's how we've done it um, for years because we've been around since like the nineties. That's before my, not before my time, but before my time here. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I didn't realize that you're only 15 years old. Yeah, I'm 21 years old. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> well, Mike, I do appreciate your time today. Oh, my gosh. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's okay. Mike, I do appreciate your time today. And, um And thank you for so much coming in and giving us an update on the storm. Uh, for those that are suffering from a storm, yeah. you know, um, uh, we are, you know, our, our hearts are with you and for sure. And if, for those emergency managers that are out there that are dealing with the storm, I'm sure you're not listening to us right now. Uh, but uh, if you do have a chance to take a listen to us, uh, uh, please reach out. And, and you know, we, you have partners across the nation that are more than willing to come in and help. So, uh, Mike, thanks for your time today. And uh, it's a pleasure. Let's do this again sometime. Sounds good. Thank you. Take care, guys. So, Mark, as we talk about the idea of storms and what's happening, and these are becoming, I don't know if they're coming more frequently, or but it seems like they are. Um, you reviewed a book um, in 
in uh, about Miami called Disposable City. Who, who was talk about that a little bit because I think I find that very interesting. The, the title is amazing. Yeah, and how uh, how about the timing of this book, right? And, and that <laughs> the, that storm coming coming in actually hitting Florida, but uh, yeah. So the book is Disposable City. Uh, and it's it, it's a firsthand in depth look to the position that Miami is in in the face of the climate crisis and the effects that it's going on. They're on the front lines, essentially. They're they're the ones that are going to feel the impact the most immediate. And, and in a lot of ways, they are already feeling the impacts. Uh, Miami is an extremely porous city. It's, it's very low. It's below sea level. So any significant rise or change in the levels has an effect on the city already. And then if you take into account the expected rise of uh, the oceans based on meltings and, and in climate change. They're, they're definitely in the line of fire when it comes to this um, potential future catastrophe. And it's not that far off. Right. Um, what, what is, I mean, I know Miami's trying to do some things that are interesting. They're putting sub pups in. Um, they're already working. I, I mean, the way I'm reading this, the way I'm looking at the, the stuff, I mean, first of all, Miami's doing some really interesting and innovative stuff to keep themselves from 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 falling, from sinking into the ocean, I suppose, for lack of a better term. Not literally, I understand that. It's just figuratively speaking. But they're they're putting pumps in, they're doing all sorts of drainage things. Uh they're really working hard for for this. Um, you know, is it because of sea level rise that they're doing these things, or is it because of storms? Like what what's driving Miami to 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 invest in the infrastructure like that? Well, they're already seeing effects. It's just from the the King Kai's. He tells a he tells a a story in the book about a uh, octopus being found in a parking garage as he steps out of his car during during King Tide, and uh, you know that's kind of uh, indicative of the ocean having an effect on on the on the land itself already. And, and it's as we look forward in things, uh, advancing. But yeah, they're taking steps. They're they're retrofitting stormwater systems, raising roads. They're, they're trying to grind the coastline to, for uh, pumps and putting in pumps to pump out water. And, um, the, and they're trying to take serious steps in uh, emission control and trying to, trying to reduce the impact that they have on the environment from there as well. Now, nor the, if, you, if you know Virginia at all, um, Virginia Beach area is, is very much the same way, and uh, Norfolk, Virginia, is having some serious issues. And they're actually, in a weird way, uh, leading the nation in in doing things like this with the with the pumps to try to keep the water out. You know, and the, the reason why Norfolk, Virginia, is a huge issue, right? It's the, it's the largest naval base um, in the United States, um, maybe even in the world, uh, but for sure in the United States. So a lot of stuff out of the Atlantic uh, comes out of there. Um, and so, you know, having that port is, is critical. Um, you, you know, are we seeing other cities besides Norfolk and, and Miami uh, working towards uh, putting these mitigating factors in, mitigation factors in to uh, stop the, to, to help retreat the water that's coming into their cities? I, I think as we see uh, the effects happening in Miami, I think we're going to see it happen along the coast, the coastal cities throughout the throughout the country. I think that's going to be trending because, like I said, it's only, it's the most 
immediate impact is to Miami, but it's going to continue and people need to be prepared uh, for that inevitable uh, event. So I think we're going to see it more and more. Um, yeah, I think, I think it, and then it'd be a smart move. Why not spend a little bit of mitigation so you don't have to spend as much in response. Are you seeing things like this in North Carolina and South Carolina as well with, with um, issues with flooding and, and the waters coming in from the, from the coastal areas? We see a little bit of, of uh, coastal flooding in our coastal areas in the, the outer banks. We, we see some effects out there when those, those island communities and we have uh, within the canals, but I don't think anywhere near like Miami. It's not like Miami by any means, but we are forced to consider the future and, and think of mitigation. I can't uh, personally speak on specific uh, measures that are being in place. I don't have to work, but uh, yeah, definitely. No, it's completely fair. <clears throat> you know, I, I know that they've been doing some stuff as well um, in, in the great lakes areas as well. And now it's interesting because like the great lakes uh, in some cases are actually having the opposite effect uh, where they're, where they're losing water um you, you know and and i think that's kind of that's scary in itself because that's where a lot of fresh drinking water is right and so some of the lakes are actually losing water um and then we have on the opposite end where we have a lot of um, you know issues with the with the flooding and, and lose loss of land um louisiana specifically <clears throat> um has some really big issues and obviously we know we all know that new orleans is below sea level you know that's one issue but there are also there's some barrier islands that are off of Louisiana um, that are flooded out or not even flooded out that just they're sinking they're gone. Um, there was one that had I, I forget the name of it the um, uh, it's not Prince Charles but something like that it has uh, it had a regular population on there um, and now it's completely down to only uh, two people living there. I mean they might they might be gone now um, as last time I heard and then we also have a problem with some islands up in the Aleutians um, in, in Alaska, uh, where they're going underwater as well. Um, is, is this all caused at this point? You know, I mean, I'm asking you to put some science hat on right now, even if you might, might not know, but from what you've been reading and understanding, is this all caused from um, global warming with the, with the, or climate change, if you will, uh, with the polar uh, cap melts or what's what's the what what are the scientists saying about the reasons behind this <clears throat> i i mean i think it's probably a, a, a contribution of uh, multiple factors that are that are weighing in you know you got climate change increasing temperatures that are uh, you know depleting water fresh water sources and then also at the same time melting icebergs that are increasing sea level as well but i it's hard to pinpoint you know People have different stances on climate change and and and, and the effects that it's having. Uh, I definitely think there's some real impact from it because you can't doubt, you can't deny that it is indeed getting hotter. We've had some of the hottest summers lately, and then uh, with with heat comes uh, increased uh, effects of hazard of a weather hazard. So yeah, probably a contributing a bunch of contributing factors that go into that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, here in California, we've had a couple of crazy heat waves. Um, I know heat is becoming a serious issue uh, throughout the United States as well. Uh, I remember 95 uh, seems like a long time ago, but um, relatively speaking, it's not um, where the heat wave came in in Chicago. 
and I think it killed like 105 uh, people. So the heat is another issue that we're looking at specifically when we're looking at environmental factors um, and emergency management. And this is why we need to be really paying attention uh, to what's going on. You know, kind of on piggyback on this in November, the November Speak and Spark and uh, EMN um, uh, webinar, Leader Speak, is coming up. And we actually have uh, the guest guard as Mario um, Ariza, who wrote the book um, about the disposable city. And I'm excited about that. Um, if you can go to speakatspark.com backslash webinars, that's www.speakatspark.com backslash webinars. You can sign up for that webinar today um, and reserve your spot because I'm sure this is going to be a, a pretty uh, interesting topic. And we actually have, uh, you know, a couple of other things that are happening with that. Why do you think it's important for emergency managers to participate in this webinar? Just growth. You, I think it's important that we get out there and get exposed to many, as many different ideas as we can as far as a hazard contributors, what's contributing to the future hazard, what they're going to look like, how they're going to impact, and what can we do now to mitigate them? And what's, what are some real steps that we can stand behind and, and advocate for uh, to, to, to make a change, uh, prevent or at least or delay the, the inevitable impacts of the, the route we're going. I think whatever side of, what side of the line you stand on with environmental impacts and climate change, uh, there's science involved in it. So under, understanding the science and, and taking a real look at what could happen to your community based on that would be a smart move for any emergency manager, local or state or federal, I think, because uh, we all have a part in it. We all have a part and we all have a say on, on how bad it's going to get. And, and if we do our part, we can, we can mitigate a lot for the future. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> you know, as I said before, even if you don't believe it's caused by, by human cause, right? If it's caused mm -hmm. by just nature, the cyclical portion of it, it's happening when we're during our time. And, even though as emergency managers, we might not have the ability to make any difference as far as like lowering the temperature. Uh, we definitely have to respond to and prepare for uh, the effects uh, of this increased heat. You know, before the show started, um, we were talking about the humidity that's happening in California, which is, <clears throat> you know, normally it's like, oh, it's a dry heat. Well, we're, we're getting a little bit more humidity over here. Now, it's not, not back east humidity. It's not New York humidity, but it's still a little bit more humid than people are used to. And, you know, the, people go, oh, I wonder why. You know, talk to people who have been here forever who grew up here. I'm, I'm originally from New York. I'm a transplant to California. Um, but they're saying, oh, yeah, you know, this is bad. You know, back in the day, it wasn't this humid. And this is new. <clears throat> you know, they go, oh, well, what is the cause of it? You know, <laughs> So the, obviously there's some sort of environmental change going on. And then on the other side of it, too, you know, in, in Vermont, right, their summers are becoming longer, uh, which means that the um, – the trees aren't changing colors until later. Um, and then you have, you know, the maple syrup is, is kind of, kind of drying up for lack of a better term. And, you know, so you're seeing those causes that are happening as well. Um, I, I honestly believe, and I don't have, this is just Todd DeVoe speaking here, everybody. So don't, you know, all my science friends, don't jump on me. I was reading that, that we change, we, the, the world changes what summer and winter and spring and fall is by by days right so i'm wondering if <clears throat> realistically that we're looking at um summer being 
moving more into the fall, right? Like, you know, maybe mm-hmm. it's August through October instead of, you know, June through uh, September, you know, type of thing. Um, maybe that's some of the cause. I don't know. I, I've, I'm just saying I've read this one article. I'm like, oh, that sounds, sounds interesting. Um, I don't know if anybody else believes that or not, but I think it's another thing to look at is are we really shifting in that way? And and that does would impact completely environmental issues, wouldn't you think? Absolutely. I think that's a pretty radical thought, though, Todd. Just like the, the conversation about changing the uh, whether or not we fall back or, or uh, spring forward our time in different regions of the country instead of yeah. being on one time all year round. But uh, no, I think, I mean, there there's definitely a shift. And, uh, we have to recognize that whether we change our seasons or not, we just identifying the changes and preparing for them. And I'll tell you, if you need a motivator for climate change, that the, the reduction of maple syrup production is, <laughs> it should, should be a pretty good one for you. <laughs> <laughs> I believe, I agree with you, man. Yeah. yeah I mean, man. like maple syrup is, is, is God's, you know, gift of man right there. And yes. uh, yeah. You know, or if you don't believe in God, whatever deity you think is, you know, is giving us the stuff, man. But that is a beautiful nature's gift to man if you want to go that way, you know. Yeah. Um, but uh, it definitely is good stuff, and we need to protect the maple syrup. I think that's. Uh, I think we should create that uh, that slogan. You know, that could be the motivator right there. Yeah. Especially, oh man, I'm telling you, as a kid growing up, going up into uh, Vermont and uh, getting that fresh maple syrup. You know, and then they would pour it on the snow, and you'd get that like uh, maple syrup candy thing. Oh, that was awesome! I miss those. Can't, that doesn't happen in California because eating dirt, eating maple syrup <laughs> off the sand, isn't the same. Isn't I don't know. I mean, don't knock it till you try it. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, a couple of things that are happening here in the future. Um, we have the International Association of Emergency Managers um, conference coming up in Savannah. Um, I'm looking forward to that, and uh, we will be live there. Uh, the Emergency Management Network is the official media partner of the um, uh, of, of the IEM conference this year, so that's exciting. Uh, Mark, are you going to be going to that conference? Uh, that's my intention. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they're really important to have, and it's, it's awesome to to go and, and to meet you know uh, old friends and make make new friends. You know, network a little bit. Um, it's going to be in Savannah, Georgia, which you can't go wrong with being in Savannah, Georgia, right? I mean, if you want to talk about food, go check out uh, some of those restaurants down there that are, I guess, world class, from what I understand. And uh, uh, looking forward to the meeting. All y'all down there, stop by the booth, say hi to us. Um, we're we're, we're going to be hanging out there and uh, looking forward to it. Mark, do you have anything else that you want to share with the community before we let you go? Uh, no, just, uh, you know, oh. Open your eyes. Don't be afraid to be open to new concepts and ideas. And uh, as emergency managers, it's important that we stay uh, in touch and, and flexible, willing to pivot and embrace new thoughts. Absolutely. Mark, thank you for your time today. Thank you. Hey everybody, thank you for your time today. And also check us out over at the Emergency Management Network uh, uh, Substack, right? And over there, you can uh, engage, read what we have going on. There's a couple of other podcasts that are over there, some other things that we're doing. And uh, we also have some interesting stuff that we're doing uh, behind the paid wall if you want to be a subscriber, uh, a paid subscriber. Also, 
Uh, I'm really excited to have you guys here all the time. And please, if you're on your favorite podcast player, please give us a rating. Give us five stars if you can. And really do appreciate that as well. And as always, do appreciate the community. Appreciate you all. And until next time, stay safe. Stay hydrated.